0: Stay tuned for a word from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now, by itself, it might not seem like such a big deal, and really actually it is, but woven into the tapestry of the hundreds of other prophecies from the Old Testament, it lays a groundwork for an intellectual understanding of the birth of Jesus. I mean, after all, who among us chose what family you were born into? Who among us chose what city you were born in? Who among us chose the time period in which you would be born? Not one of us. To do any of these things would be quite some feat. You just can't pull off something like that.
1: Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Archbishop Beach brings us the message entitled, The King of Assyria, A Sign from the Lord. Here now is our speaker and teacher for A Word from the Lord, Archbishop Foley Beach. If
0: you have your Bible, please open with me to Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to a public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The Virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Our Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask you to send forth your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Help us to understand your word this day, and then apply it in our lives that Jesus would be glorified. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Someone sent me an email this week called The Ten Commandments of Christmas. Commandment number one, Thou shalt give thy heart to Christ. Let Him be at the top of thy Christmas list. Commandment number two, Thou shalt prepare thy soul for Christmas. Spend not so much on gifts that thy soul is forgotten. Commandment number three, Thou shalt not let Santa Claus replace Christ, thus robbing the day of its spiritual reality. Commandment number four, Thou shalt not burden the shop girl, the mailman, and the merchant with complaints and demands. Commandment number five, Thou shalt give of thyself with thy gift. This will increase its value a hundredfold, and he who receiveth it shall treasure it forever. Number six, thou shalt not value gifts received by their cost. Even the least expensive may signify love, and that is more priceless than silver or gold. Number seven, thou shalt not neglect the needy. Share thy blessings with many who will go hungry and cold, unless thou art generous. Number eight, thou shalt not neglect thy church. Its services highlight the true meaning of the season. Number nine, thou shalt be as a little child, not until thou hast become in spirit, as one art thou art ready to enter the kingdom of heaven. And number ten, thou shalt not forget to share your joy, peace, and faith with those around you. Ten Commandments for Christmas. I thought I would share that this morning. This morning is the fourth in a series of sermons we've been sharing during this Advent season entitled, Advent Sermons from Isaiah. And I realize this series has been a little more heady or academic, but I think it's important that we understand a lot of the biblical base of why we believe what we believe at this Christmas season. This Sunday of Advent, there's a significant shift that kind of takes place you pick it up in the readings, whereas the first few Sundays the emphasis is on the second coming of Christ when he'll come again. This Sunday there's a shift to his first coming, to have us prepare for his, uh, the celebration of his arrival, that in us would be a mansion prepared for himself. Well, this mo- the scripture this morning is from Isaiah chapter 7 and so you may want to open with me to look at this passage very quickly. Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. Now the context of this passage is, is this. Ahaz is the king of Judah in Jerusalem. At this point the kingdom of Israel and Judah had divided And two other kings, the king of Judah and the king of Aram, are planning an attack on Jerusalem. They're planning to take it over and divide it among themselves. Well, Ahaz, the king of Jerusalem, is getting anxious, and he's starting to worry. And he goes out and he checks the city's water supply, begins to make his fortifications. And the Lord sends Isaiah out to talk to him. And the Lord tells Isaiah to say in verse 4, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart, because these two smoldering stubs of firewood will not overtake you. And the Lord goes on and tells Ahaz that the victory that he's foreseen by these two kings will not occur. But Ahaz is doubtful. So the Lord wants to assure him. Verse 10, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz... Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. He wants to give him assurance. So he says, ask for a sign and I'll show you. Ahaz goes from doubting God to disobeying God. Verse 12, but Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Well, the Lord's being gracious and kind. I mean how many of us would love to, when we're going through those deep dark days, have a sign from the Lord, have the Lord say, ask what you will, I'll show it to you. Ahaz is right on one hand, the Scriptures tells us not to ask for signs and test the Lord. But when they're offered to us from God we shouldn't refuse. On one hand you could argue that this is Addressed to Ahaz what the Lord is getting ready to say to him because he's of the house and lineage of David. On the other hand it could be argued that this word he's getting ready to speak is not just to Ahaz but to the whole house of David. For you see Ahaz he didn't listen or obey the word of the Lord and this prophecy could be geared to the whole house of David not just to his descendants. And then some go ahead and argue that this is probably for this time, but it's also one of these double-nuance prophecies. It's directed toward this particular time, but then there is a time in the future that this is speaking of as well. So this is what the Lord says to him. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and will call Him Emmanuel. Is this for Ahaz? Is this for the whole house of David? Is this for Ahaz and in the future for the whole house of David? Now one of the hang-ups many people have with the birth of Jesus is this whole virgin thing. It smacks of fairy tales and myths. In actuality in today's scientific culture though it's really not unreasonable to think about how this could happen. I mean, after all, with in vitro fertilization and all the methods surrounded by that, it's actually now we can conceive how God could do that if He wanted to, to bypass the physical to plant His divine seed in the virgin. The prophecy that a virgin would be with child is only one of a host of Old Testament prophecies which fit together like a zigsaw puzzle to point to the Messiah, for example, we know that the Messiah would be born, that was actually a prophecy, and born of a woman. Genesis 3.15 points out that the Messiah would not only be born of a woman, but would come from the seed of a woman. Now think about that a minute, the seed of a woman. All the rest of us have been born of the seed of a man. Jesus, who was virgin born, was born of the seed of the woman and the seed of God. He was the Son of Man and the Son of God. Other prophecies, Genesis 12.3 points out that the Messiah would come from the line of Abraham. Abraham had what, two sons? Isaac and Ishmael? Well, Genesis 17 tells us, verse 19, that it would be through Isaac that the line would come. Well, Isaac has two sons. You remember Jacob and Esau? Well, Numbers 24-27 says that it would come through the line of Jacob. Now, this is where you have to kind of pay attention because your Bible kind of does a little twist on you. If you remember, Jacob had this encounter with God, and God changes His name. He goes from Jacob to Israel. Well, Israel had 12 sons, and we won't name all of them for you. But Genesis 49-10 tells us that the Messiah would come through the tribe of Judah, line of Judah, then out of everybody's in Judah's family tree, Isaiah 11.1, 1, which we saw a few weeks ago, says that he would come through the line of Jesse. And if you remember, Jesse had eight sons, and of those eight sons, Jeremiah twenty three verse five tells us that the Messiah would come from the house of David. And so here we have in Isaiah seven fourteen, we're told that from the house of David there would be a sign from the Lord, a virgin with a child. The Scriptures go on. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the prophet tells us that of all the cities in the world, there would be one that the Messiah would come to, Bethlehem, Ephreta. The Old Testament prophets also point to a time period that this would occur, that when the Messiah would come. In Malachi 3.1, we're told that when the Messiah comes, He would come to His temple, Well, the temple and Jerusalem were destroyed in A.D. 70. So if this prophecy was to take place, that means that the Messiah would have had to come to the temple before it was destroyed in A.D. 70. Daniel 9 tells of a timeline pointing to the exact span of years of when the Messiah would exist and come to the temple. So, here in Isaiah we have this one prophecy. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel, God with us. Now, by itself, it might not seem like such a big deal, and really, actually, it is. But woven into the tapestry of the hundreds of other prophecies from the Old Testament, it lays a groundwork for an intellectual understanding of the birth of Jesus. I mean, after all, who among us chose what family you were born into? Who among us chose what city you were born in? Who among us chose the time period in which you would be born? Not one of us. To do any of these things would be quite some feat. You just can't pull off something like that. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign... The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Chuck Miser argues that there is another important aspect of this prophecy which is not easily understood. This word from Isaiah is given to the house of David, he argues. But the house of David produced king after king in Israel that went from, and in Judah that went from being bad to worse. They became more and more corrupt and would not follow the laws of God, and it became so bad that in Jeremiah twenty-two thirty, the Lord pronounces a blood curse on King uh, Jeconiah and the descendants of the royal household of David. This is what the Lord said. Record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime. For none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule in Judah anymore. Well, if the Messiah is to come from the house of David, and now the house of David is cursed, there's a problem. Missler writes, I always imagine that there must have been a celebration in the counsels of Satan that day. Surely he must have surmised that God was caught in a quandary. But I can visualize God saying to his angels, watch this one. Solution can be seen if you look in the different genealogies of Jesus found in the New Testament, in Matthew and in Luke. I don't know about you, but I usually, when I get to that part, I just skip it. You know, it's all those begots and well they are different. And I don't know how many times I've heard this used as an example of the Bible contradicting itself. Matthew presents Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the Son of God. And Matthew, in his genealogy, he traces the legal bloodline of, of Jesus from Abraham to David. And then the royal bloodline from Solomon, remember who Solomon was, that was David and Bathsheba's first surviving son. David was king and then Solomon became after him. He traces it from Solomon to Joseph, the legal father of Jesus. Not the biological father, but the legal father. Well, Luke, on the other hand, focuses on the humanity of Jesus and he presents him as the son of man rather than the son of God. Luke follows the bloodline. And since his emphasis on humanity, he starts with Adam, the first man. And he goes to Abraham, and then from Abraham to David. Now, Abraham to David is identical to what you see in Matthew. But then Luke does something different. Where Matthew goes through Solomon, the first surviving son of Bathsheba and David, Luke goes through the second son, which is Nathan... He carries the family tree all the way down to Heli, the father of Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus' grandfather. Matthew takes it to Joseph, the legal father. Luke takes it to Mary's father, Heli, the father-in-law of Joseph. So Jesus is of the house and lineage of David, but not of the royal line whose recipients of the blood curse were pronounced on the descendants of Jeconiah. Just a small little twist, but yet it's all in there. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call His name Emmanuel. And then we come to the Gospel reading this morning from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about his mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. They were engaged. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's deal. It wasn't Joseph's. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public dis- disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. In that culture, when you were pledged to be married, to break it off, it was like getting a divorce. After all he considered this, uh, excuse me, after he considered all of this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus or Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua or Joshua, that's what the name means. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, and then Matthew quotes Isaiah 7:14, "The virgin will be with child and gives will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel." which means God with us. As you and I make our preparations for the Christmas season, and we're running here and fro and sitting in traffic and waiting in lines and trying to get that last gift or get the house ready or make that meal or or travel to wherever, as you and I prepare, let us remember why we were celebrating. Let us remember who we are celebrating. Let us praise God because of the one who has has given the name above all names, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. Let's not just let this Christmas go by with the rush. Let it be a time for us to remember and celebrate who he is and what he's done for us. Thank you for listening to a word from the Lord. I would like to take a few moments and, and give you the opportunity to become a believing Christian. I know today we have a lot of folks that go to church and are real religious, but if you were to ask them if they really know Jesus Christ, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. And I don't know if you're one of those people this morning, but if you've never become a believing Christian, I'd like to give you a just a simple ABC, not a gimmick, but, but just the way it is. And, and, a is for acknowledging that you're a sinner. We live in a culture which says, you know, basically we don't make mistakes, but we do. And when we measure up against God's Ten Commandments, um, all of us have fallen short in some way. We've all messed up, and, and that's called sin, and we need to acknowledge that. The B is, is to believe, to believe in Jesus and what He's done on the cross is God's remedy for our sin. Is God's solution for being alienated from Him. To believe that through Jesus I can be made whole that I can be healed that I can be forgiven. And the C is for confess. Confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. A lot of folks receive Him as their Savior. They want their what I call fire insurance, make sure they don't go to hell. But they aren't willing to allow Him to be their Lord, to be the one who uh, is the master of their life. And and to confess that, uh, to be willing to share that with those you love and those you care about, that Jesus is your Lord. So it's really that simple, Um, and yet it's that powerful that it makes such an eternal difference. Um, Acknowledge that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is the solution, and confess that Jesus is your Lord. I invite you to stop what you're doing right now and, and, and say a simple prayer. Uh, confess your sin to him, tell him you believe in him, and then begin to confess him as your Savior and Lord. If you've done that, I encourage you to uh, let me know. I'd like to send you some materials to help you grow in your Christian faith. It's it's like becoming a a baby all over again, and there's some things you need to know, some, some things you need to learn in order to walk with God.
1: That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at Foley Beach at a word from the Lord.org. Again, his email is Foley Beach at a word from the You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is PO Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is PO Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. and We thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.